Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts or itrwrestling.com, all the good places that you can listen to our lovely podcast. My name is Kenny and I'm joined by a returning Finley Martin who uh, I believe Finn, you're recovering from a little kind of, you know, throat issue, but you're here with us today. Uh, shall I say raring to go? Would that be an accurate description or kind of? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my voice totally. Uh, on Saturday uh, evening and couldn't speak for over a day. So I'm not quite sure why, you know, I didn't take up smoking again or, <laughs> or stop, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do any hard drugs or <laughs> anything that I shouldn't have done to deserve this or warrant this. So I'm hoping that my voice is going to hold up and, um, and we're going to get through the podcast, but uh, yeah, it's good to be back. I've just had to shut my window, Kenny, here in the, uh, the power slam office which is of course one of my bedrooms <laughs> so the rain has finally arrived in Lancaster it's yes up here too the rain the rain has arrived and uh, I think people are quite happy to see a little bit of rain for a couple of days just to oh, balance God, it out yeah. absolutely I think the plants are as well Kenny yeah the plants are as well, well listen we're going to keep this podcast fairly short because I don't want to you know I don't want to take your voice to too many heights and you know while you're recovering but um let's just talk about some kind of 
TV related stuff. I know you've been catching up on some of your wrestling. You're still kind yeah. of in the midst of it. But um, I did want to bring up first, we saw uh, last week on Dynamite, the, the main event was uh, John Moxley and Chris Jericho for the interim AEW title and John Moxley detained um, in a pretty long match. And then after the match, when he was getting beat down by, uh, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society, various people, uh, CM Punk made his return to save the day. Um, and then him and Moxley had a face-off. Moxley flipped him off and left. So it appears that the direction of travel is CM Punk and John Moxley for All Out. Um, are you surprised to see Punk back this soon, Finn? And uh, is it a foregone conclusion that Punk will beat Moxley All Out? Or do you think that there's a, a chance that they might have Moxley beat him? Well, you had said a few weeks ago that um, Punk was recovering far quicker than expected. Um, I know when he was pictured at the the uh, Comic Con, wasn't it, in late July? Yes. He had the big boot on his leg, didn't he? So um, I think at that point we were maybe under the impression that he was still maybe two, two and a half months away from being cleared to return. But it looks like he's going to be ready to go by September 4th, which I am quite surprised by. Um, but, I mean, obviously this was going to be the match that CM Punk was going to have a first match back after suffering the injury uh, just after the last pay-per-view. So, um, I mean, it's the right match. Obviously, it's the right match. Um, but for me, it seems fairly obvious that Punk will win because, you know, obviously he won the belt, um, then was injured um, on the very next Dynamite, wasn't it, in the six-man match, Kenny, I think it was? Yeah, it was, yeah. And then he was, yeah, and then he announced his... Uh hiatus on the rampage rampage that's it so i mean it would be nonsensical for him to lose to moxley in this match to determine the undisputed AEW world champion um you know and obviously i've not i've knocked our boy tony many times (laughs) uh, but when it comes to big decisions like this i don't think he would make the wrong decision you know, he's obviously got a lot invested in CM Punk. Um, he's been off TV since first week of June, it would have been, wouldn't it? First week of June? Yes, yes. First week of June. So, you know, here he is. He's back like two and a half months later. Surely they're going to have that rain and, you know, they're going to they're gonna try and get the money's worth out of CM Punk. So my money is on CM Punk to defeat Moxley at the pay-per-view. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Punk is going to be the winner. And I think that's the direction to go because Punk is the more interesting choice. I think he is the... I think he can do more with the title than Moxley could. Um, So, yeah, I think it's going to be Punk. But I think it's a good story. There's a good story there of Moxley being the champion, but he's not really the champion. You know, he's he's only the champion because Punk was injured. And they can have a good back and forth about that that I think could be quite compelling to to watch. So, and then, and, you know, speaking of returns, it is all but confirmed that, that uh, Kenny Omega will be returning tomorrow night on Dynamite to team with uh, the Young Bucks in the Trios tournament. And there was a, a thing at the end of BTE where they basically, I think they, they, they were, I've not seen it, but I heard that it was something like they, they teased at the end who it was going to be and then Omega's music played briefly. So he's going to be back. And um, him and him and the Bucks trios. I, I assume they're going to. I mean, you. Would, there's no way that they're going to be a trios tournament. The three of them, and they're not winning those titles. I mean, come on. 
Well, exactly. I mean, you know, the young books dropped the belts to Swerve and Keith. Um, they they did the they're now faces now, aren't they? Young books. They were attacked by Adam yeah. Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. Yep. Um, so they're now baby faces. And really, it's the same principle. You don't bring a big star back and then have him or her lose. You know, that's just that's just counterproductive. It's it's not the way it works in American wrestling. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if Omega is returning um, tomorrow and he's going to team with uh, the Jacksons uh, in this tournament, then surely they have to be the first champions. Surely they have to be the first champs. Yeah, it's gonna. It seems like so long since we've seen Kenny Omega. I mean, you know, I can't say I've missed him, Kenny. <laughs> I mean, I think we're. I think we're on that island where. Yes. It's a weird thing because I actually do think Kenny Omega is very good. I think my only issue that maybe I'm on an island of my own is I find his acting very hokey, and I think that because he's and look, Seth Rollins is hokey, but like Seth Rollins. You know, nobody's nobody's talking about Seth Rollins acting as some sort of like you know Daniel Day Lewis level performance. No. But I feel it with Omega sometimes. The ideas, oh my god, did you see that? You know, beautiful piece of crisp storytelling that he did that gave a throwback to this. And I'm like, when when hmm. did that happen? And like, Point and, me to it. And also, it's like if I needed to watch three and a half years of New Japan Pro Wrestling and two and a half years of being the elite to get the reference. Then it's not a reference you should be doing. It's a, you should be doing references to the people who watch AEW every week and who have been watching this promotion for, for three years or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think it'll be good to have them back. But it's just exactly, and they're wondering why you know they're not surpassing the one million barrier on a regular basis, or or not you know the numbers aren't continuing to rise and they've got stuck between like 950 and just over a million viewers. That's roughly where they are each week. Yeah. And if you want to reach a wider audience, you've got to make your product accessible. You know, people are going to be able to understand your product. They shouldn't have to then, you know, spend, as you say, 45 minutes on YouTube watching some weekly, you know, YouTube series in order to understand what's going on. If that's the way you are presenting your product, then you are not going to grow your audience. It's just that simple. Yeah. And and I think the, the key for me with Omega is that I have no problem with like wrestlers being wacky. You know, The Rock was obviously a very wacky, but then The Rock would do wacky stuff and then he would do vet, he would put forth very intense, serious promos that would yes. balance out the wackiness. And I think when Omega was champion, he was just, he was a bit like, he was a bit kind of like a carry on villain. <laughs> and, and that's fine, but it, I just I think you let's call it for what it was, you know. So hopefully, I mean, him and the Young Bucks together is probably not going to be a recipe either of us are going to be clamoring for. But no, at least no. it means they're all put together in one match. Well, you know what? That you've got to look on the bright side. You know, you're right that we'll get that one that one match. Mind you, that one match will probably last thirty minutes on a, on a good day. Yeah, forty-five and a bad. Anyway, so, um, I, mean, I, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, really, Kenny. In all honesty, but one of the things that uh, you know Tony Khan is is definitely not good for him has been the fact that Triple H taking over creative has created a resurgence for WWE. Ratings have been up, yeah. demos have been up from you know that that eighteen to forty-nine demo that's mentioned all the time by people. Uh, WWE been have been gaining in that as well. 
Um, and one of the things uh, that, that they've been doing is sort of reintroducing the importance of titles. And I know we're going to talk about the uh, US title in a minute when we talk about Raw. But on SmackDown, they main event of the show with Gunther defending against Shinsuke Nakamura. And it was, I mean, one of Nakamura's best performances he's had in the company. I mean, that's not high praise compared to some of them. But, you know, and they, they, they're they now showing us the history. They're telling us about who the former Intercontinental Champions are and playing up the historical significance. Um, and then it's main event in SmackDown as well. So it feels like we're, we're on the road, Finn. I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but it, it seems like a lock that Gunther is going to defend the IC title at Clash at the Castle, which means that the title finally will make itself back onto pay-per-view, premium live event, whatever you want to call it, for the first time since WrestleMania 37. Da-da-da! I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, yeah, the US title, and it gives them a chance as well to do some good old-fashioned flag-waving, doesn't it, Kenny? Yep. You know, you it... get JBL in, the big that big noted Republican... You know, and he can just do a big patriotic speech about <laughs> how great the USA is, and uh, and uh, and then they can put over the US title. But you know, I'm obviously I'm just joshing. I mean, it really is. Um, it's just grounded in. It's just just the basics, isn't it, of promoting a title or trying to restore the prestige of a title by informing um, and presenting recap videos with all the footage and the pictures of former champions and just to illustrate how much this title did once mean, how long it's been around, been around since 1975, I believe. Harley Race was the first champ, I believe he won it that year. I think that's right. Um, And it just makes the title just seem more important. You know, it's like a 47-year-old championship. So, yeah, it makes you feel like it means something. And it's got history and it's got value. And more importantly, Kenny, and I know you you know this to be true, when the company tells us that it cares about a championship, we as viewers are, more, are going to be more inclined to also care about this championship. You know, when a promotion treats a title like it's worthless, it means nothing, then, you know, accordingly, that's how we react. Mm-hmm. So it's just real, you know, basic... Um, promotion of a prop, that's what it is effectively, or a you know, piece of history that you know goes from being something that's not really that important to something that really is is vital. And it's something that um when wrestlers are trying to pursue it, we understand why they want it. And when the champion's defending it, we understand why he's defending it with all his heart and doesn't want to lose it. So uh I mean, you know, that's yeah, it's it's real you know, you look back so many times when Vince was running things and he would do things that just, you know, would just frustrate you because you knew that he knew how to promote wrestling. Obviously he did, but it's like he just didn't care about lots of aspects of what he presented. We've talked about this many times previously. And you would sit there and you think to yourself, why is he belittling or ridiculing or, you know, ignoring this person or this championship that, is under contract or belongs to him. You know, if it's a title, obviously it belongs to him. If it's a performer, under contract to his company. And there's no reason for him to do this. Why is he making this person or this uh, championship seem less valuable than we would like to think it is? And it would just seem so counterproductive. Um, 
So to see WWE, the new WWE, since Triple H took over, Paul Levesque took over, you know, really take this title and and show us what it once was and what it can be again and what we think it should be. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's heartening, isn't it? It makes you, um, it, it fills you, swell, you swell with pride, don't you, Kenny? Yeah, well, because also the, the, the important thing is, most, and you're right, it is a basic thing, so we shouldn't be sort of like, giving them too much applause for doing the basics. But, I mean, the key thing as well is the fact that we're not just getting the US title on Raw signified with the, the Lashley stuff and, and AJ Styles this week. We're also getting the going to an IC title one on SmackDown as well. So it's like both of these mid-card titles that have both kind of been, you know, it's, it's like the, the history of those belts has been such an obvious thing that you could use to help promote matches. Yeah. That they've, they've just not, you know, like, I mean, the IC title, you know, they're going to... I know I keep going on about it, but I mean, part of the reason that obviously Gunter should be defending that title at Clash at the Castle is because it was 30 years ago in the main event of SummerSlam, the IC title was defended when Bret Hart and British Bulldog had that, you know, classic match. So I'm glad they're bringing history into stuff. And it's it's good history. It's not the history of how DX created the Attitude Era that we need to listen to every six months. And we know in reality, they did not defend. They were part of it, but they were not by any stretch, the, per- the ones that defined it. Well, exactly. And and you're right. I mean, I see title, you know, that was obviously Pat won that tournament down in Rio. You know, even <laughs> Pat didn't know who he'd be, but, you know, Pat won the tournament. And um, so that was created in 79 after he had been Ted DiBiase for the North American title. And then the IC championship was, was created. So, I mean, that belt's been around for like nearly 43 years, I think 43 years next mm-hmm. month or about 43 years anyway. Um, and yeah, it's great to see um, that belt defended in the main event of SmackDown. And again, it's just like, it's like, well, why doesn't this happen more often? And you think, well, you know, maybe the first time it happens, it won't draw such a good rating. And SmackDown was under 2 million viewers on Friday. But if the champion and the challenger have a hell of a match, and I've got, I must confess, I haven't seen last week's SmackDown yet. I only got back from holiday yesterday and I'm just catching up on my wrestling. But as I understand it, uh, Gunter and Nakamura did have a hell of a match, as you just said. Everyone, I've, uh, all, all the text, all the uh, comments I've read online uh, from people really gushing about how good the match was. People will have left that program thinking far more of the IC title than they did when the match began. So now when we see Gunter again, you know, the prestige is elevated. People are going to look at him with a little bit more respect. Uh, People will hopefully view Nakamura with some more respect as well, because as we know, Kenny, he's kind of been coasting for years, hasn't he? Pulling it in. Yeah, he's just been coasting. And, um, And so by putting in, you know, proper shift and showing people that he can still go because, because the championship was on the line, again, conveys how much that belt meant to him because he wanted to own it. He wanted to defeat the champion for it. And it's just real, you know, fundamental booking basics. Um, But when it's done right, it means that we care about, as I say, I referred to the US title earlier as as a prop, and that's kind of a disrespectful term. You know, in a sense, it is a prop, but when you treat it with reverence, it becomes much more than a prop. It becomes, when we're suspending our disbelief, 
like the most important thing on that show. And by putting the IC title match in the main event uh, slot of SmackDown, yeah, it communicated, you know, relayed that message to the public that, yeah, this match matters because we're putting it in the main event slot. Um, So I'm really pleased that they did it. I'm really pleased they had a good match. Um, And yes, I'm with you, Kenny. Please let there be an IC title defense at SummerSlam. I mean, there's going to be an a backlash, an outcry, if that championship is not defended on the show that's the 30th, you know, 30 years on from SummerSlam. Yeah. I mean, people are going to be up in arms, surely. People are, there'll be pickets outside the clash at the castle. Well, cl- which is actually a clash beside the castle, but, you know, let's not get into semantics. Um, well, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Raw before we sort of uh, wrap up and keep it short this week. Um, Raw, again, was a really solid episode last night and one of the big things they opened the show with was uh judgment day coming out and they were talking about how you know next week uh damien priest is going to face edge um in toronto which is his first match uh there in over a decade and then we end up having Rey mysterio coming out and getting involved and obviously there's the numbers game and they're laying out Rey mysterio with rhea ripley very much involved so they're definitely setting up the, the big match with Edge and Priest, but also it feels that there's going to be somebody who's going to be counteracting Rhea Ripley's offense. And I mean, it, it feels like it has to be Beth Phoenix, but um, it, I mean, Edge feels like he's involved in something that almost feels fun, which is a nice departure from uh, the the monologues that we were getting before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on last night's Raw... Um... Priest, well, the previous week on the August 8th Raw, that was when Priest uh, issued the challenge um, to the match with Edge in Toronto. And he said that Edge had not had a match on Raw in Toronto for like 12 years. Um, So that challenge was then accepted. And then last night on Raw, Priest, I thought, cut the promo of his WWE run, I felt. I thought he was very serious. I thought he was very believable. I thought he came across as somebody who was Edge's equal, not somebody who was looking up to Edge and was desperately trying to be on his level. Um, you know, we'll see next week if Priest is Edge's equal, but I'm sure Edge will be doing everything he can to make Priest appear to be his equal in that match. I'm convinced he will be. Um, but um, Priest made a point of bringing up um, that when... After the match in Toronto, Priest was going to injure Edge. He was going to injure him so badly that he that he would need to be pushed around in a wheelchair and fed through a straw. And Priest made a point of mentioning Beth Phoenix's name, didn't he? So that did mm-hmm. seem like it would be her reintroduction. I mean, I will say that I will say this. You know, to me, I I think one of the most fun things Edge has done when he's been back in this run was that stuff with. Uh, you know, Mez and Maurice that they that they did at the Rumble and before. So I think with Beth gets involved, it could be it could be fun. And I just want more fun from Edge Finn. So I'm a fan of this. Yeah, I mean the stuff with Maurice and the Miz was kind of frivolous, wasn't it? You couldn't really take it seriously. And then this is a lot more serious. And so it should be because we're trying to create some stars here. Um but Priest would not have mentioned Beth Phoenix by name 
and one of, would not have said, or oh, once this match in Toronto is over, Beth will have to wheel you around in a wheelchair and feed you through a straw if she was not returning. And as you say, all this um, Rhea Ripley's involvement, you know, and goading Rey Mysterio to strike her and Rey has not struck her. And this obviously boils down to what happened uh, the previous week um, in the Finn Balor versus Rey Mysterio match in which Rhea Ripley walked out with Dominic Mysterio over her shoulder. Dom had been beaten down backstage and that was the distraction that enabled Balor to defeat Mysterio. Um, there needs to be some comeuppance here for Rhea mm-hmm. Ripley. You know, she has, she has been a bad person and there needs to be a babyface who comes along and shows her the error of her ways. And I think Beth Phoenix, it will be a very different um, arrangement in the ring, it's going to be a very different feud because, as I said, Edge and Beth versus The Miz and Maurice, no one was really meant to take that seriously, whereas we are supposed to take this seriously. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that can be, I think this could be very good as well for Rhea Ripley's career. I would think it's going to be very good for Rhea Ripley's career. So um, I would think Beth Phoenix will return next week on the Raw from Toronto. That's what I'm predicting anyway. Um, elsewhere in the show, we also had um, Asuka and Alexa Bliss uh, advancing in the women's tag team title tournament. So they'll be in the semi-finals. Um, oh, I, and then we also in the show had maybe the hottest segment or, or, or the hottest part of the show that everyone's talking about is we had uh, Drew McIntyre coming out and he uh, was talking about, you know, the Roman Reigns match at Clash at the Castle talks about the, you know, because he's got an injury he's working his way through, so he kind of talks about that and then said it's from carrying the load of 20 men for the last three years in and out of the ring. And I agree with him, Finn. He had to feud with Happy Corbin and Jinder Mahal. <laughs> he, he he was helping half the roster there by making sure they didn't have to wrestle him. Um, but Kevin Owens ended up coming out and ha- sort of having a go at him, and then McIntyre cuts this very serious promo on him. You know, shouting at him about what he's been, what has happened, to him, how he got fired, and he had to come back, and he has to do all this stuff to get to this position again. Um, and he ends up saying, "We are wrestlers, so let's wrestle." Um, and then Drew and Kevin Owens had a sixteen-minute match, which was uh, ended abruptly by the Usos coming in to attack for the DQ. Um, which gave Kevin Owens the out. I mean, this was just tremendous stuff. Drew McIntyre looked like a, a killer. Kevin Owens looked like a, a badass heel. Um, to me, top marks for this, and they got out of it in a really clever way with the Usos' interference at the end. What did you think of it all? Yeah, really good. And can I just backtrack as well to the August 8th Raw, because obviously we didn't cover this because I wasn't mm-hmm. here last week. Um, we had a Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel, Ezekiel match. Wasn't really a match. Owens just totally destroyed Ezekiel and powerbombed him on the ring apron and Ezekiel was stretched off. And that just felt like total blow off of that feud with Owens being totally superior to Ezekiel. You know, there was no question about that, no debate over who was the more powerful force in WWE. So Owens was really reset, I think, as a character, like they recalibrated him that night and made us want to view Owens differently, I think, on the Raw last week. And then he did a promo as he was leaving to uh, Kevin Patrick and just said that it's still the Kevin Owens show and he wasn't taking, he wasn't taking any crap from anyone anymore. 
and he just felt like a more serious character. I just wanted to bring that up, Kenny, because obviously we weren't here last week. Yep. To discuss the August 8th role. So the August 15th role was an extension of that um, with Owens, again, very serious. Um, he came out, cut a promo, talked about the match he had with Sami Zayn. I think, did he say it was Battleground 2016? I think he said he was. Yes, yeah, Battleground 2016. You know, and how they completely torn the house down and um, referenced to himself as the prize fighter and... It was just a different Owings. There was no more silliness. There was no more clowning around. There was no more obsessing over Ezekiel being Elias. You know, he'd moved on from that, which I think was very, that was a definite and very conspicuous um, decision by WWE to try and distance this Kevin Owings from the old Kevin Owings, which I think was the right decision. And then he pitted, and then he did this amazing promo and then, it was like they were trying to. It was like they were trying to defeat each other, weren't they? On promos, and they were firing each other up, and it was like as if it was. I'm sure they had the bullet points, but it didn't really feel scripted, did it? What yeah. either man said. Yeah, they 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 said words that you feel they would say if they were amped yeah. up and annoyed, which is the is is what wrestling should be. Um, exactly, exactly, and and it was like. It was it was them. It was we know these characters, we know these people, and we know these are the words that those two would say. And yeah. it's not artificial, and it's not you know obviously scripted by somebody who doesn't really understand who these characters are. And um, you know the killer line from Drew McIntyre was, "We're wrestlers in a wrestling ring. Ring, let's just freaking wrestle." And, you know, Owen smiled and you could see that he was really impressed by McIntyre's promo and the fire that he brought to it. He was really, wow, you know, he really, you know, amped himself up. It was, it was Drew firing on, you know, all cylinders as if he was a V12 engine. This wasn't like a little, you know, 1.2, you know, for, you know, Volkswagen Polo. This was like some supercar, wasn't it? Firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. led to the match, a long match, very competitive. Um, you know, Owens kicked out a white noise from the middle rope. You know, all sorts of near falls. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, there's no way Drew can lose because he's facing Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle. But by the same token, Owens really ought not to lose either. Because we've just, you know, WWE are just re-establishing him as a serious wrestler, as this new character. Well, yeah, and which is which is the so if you're doing that, you can't immediately give uh, Kevin Owens the loss. So it was the right thing to do to have that that out that you can get into, but not do it in a really cheap way. I think. Um, which oh yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I just. I just had to do a big cough there, everyone. And I just had to press my <laughs> mute button so you didn't have to listen to it. It's fine. I was um, swiping in there, Finn, just to, oh, to make it Yeah, yeah. Well, the voice, you know, it's done all right so far, but, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was very well booked with Jimmy and Jay doing the run-in uh, to attack Drew uh, for the de- disqualification, which makes sense. I understand that they were involved, weren't they, on SmackDown on Friday. I haven't watched that show yet. Yeah. They, they attacked Drew on Friday, yet. Mm-hmm. So that all that all made sense in terms of storyline advancement um, and protecting both men. And I, what I also like was I kind of thought that when Jimmy and Jay were beating down Drew, 
that Owens might save Drew McIntyre from the Usos, and he didn't do. And because he almost feels like Owens is on the verge of a face turn, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels it's 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 going to be interesting in the next couple of months because there's a lot of people like Kevin Owens who are just they're all being re-established and it could go a variety of ways for them, which is quite exciting to see how it's going to play out. Um, yeah. Elsewhere on Raw, and um, we did have the return of Riddle. He was doing a well. Rollins came out and said he wanted a front row seat for Riddle's interview, thinking he's going to announce his retirement. Um, and then Riddle sort of interrupts in the big screen, and they have a kind of back and forth, um, which leads, uh, you know, because Riddle ends up saying, the next time I see you, Seth, it's going to be on. And Riddle ends up coming out, and Rollins tries to stomp him, but he can't can't get it, and they're fighting. And, I mean, this also felt like a, even though Riddle was still the same character that he was before, there's a serious element to him here that I don't know if this was being presented to us in the Vince McMahon era six weeks ago, if this would have I don't know, it would have played out exactly the way it did here. What do you what do you think of this slightly altered presentation of Riddle? Do you think it's a, a, a pro for him, a, a positive? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean um, I answered a question in Q&A in the magazine, I think it was maybe two issues ago, um, and suggested that this was the direction Riddle needed to go if he were to one day be taken seriously as a top guy. He couldn't do the comedy stuff as a top guy. He needs, to, I mean, he can do it occasionally, but it only needs to be a very, very small part of his act. Um, the majority of, or the bulk of what we see from Riddle has to be far more serious. Uh, if he's going to be somebody who can credibly defeat Seth Rollins and then potentially challenge Drew McIntyre, because we know he can't challenge Roman Reigns again, as long as Roman Reigns is universal champ. So in the event that Drew defeats Roman at Clash of the Castle, Riddle as a serious performer, assuming he defeats uh, Seth Rollins at Clash of the Castle, then Riddle versus Drew McIntyre becomes a very viable main event matchup, doesn't it? That becomes a premium live event matchup yep. if we've got this version of Riddle. But I really like the, I like the interview that he did. It was, yeah, different slant on the Riddle character. You know, Rollins was kind of mocking the old Riddle, wasn't he? He was saying, oh, he's going to say bro, and he's you know, he's just going to act like a fool. And uh, was it the previous week, I think, Seth Rollins had brought up uh, the Dana White basically firing Riddle? You know, there's a guy yeah. that, you know, his career has never lived up to his poten to its potential, you know, if you want to know why, just ask Dana, Dana White in Europe from UFC. Um, so there was very much Rollins predicting that Riddle was going to like self-destruct and just not be the guy that he needs to be. And then Riddle showing him that he, he is actually that guy. And then, as you say, he did the interview backstage. We were meant to believe that Riddle was at home. But instead, when the, Riddle, when the interview ended, Riddle revealed that he was backstage. He rang to the ring. You know, Rollins was there, you know, in a panic-stricken, oh, no, Riddle's here, and they have a big scrap. And then Riddle uh, sends Rollins packing through the crowd. Um, and then backstage afterwards, Riddle challenged Rollins to a match at Clash at the Castle. So we're, I'm sure we'll get that there, which I'm really pleased about, because obviously it didn't take place at SummerSlam. And I'm pleased that they are uh, saving that for us, for the UK market. Yeah, and you know, uh, 
Clash needs some some big matches announced to kind of flesh out the card, and Riddle and Rollins is definitely one of them. So, um, now when you were off in uh, last week, uh, we saw the the return of Dexter Loomis. Yeah, people were very surprised about it. And can I just say, I, I've ranted about this with Sondra on Patreon, but I just want to rant about it here very quickly. The thing that I don't understand is you know all these people online who say, "Oh, I don't, I don't get why they're bringing back Dexter Loomis." You know, he's thirty eight, he's an average wrestler, he's a character. That's why he's being brought in. They're no, they're not bringing Dexter Loomis in to put him in the main event at WrestleMania. They're just bringing back people who were interested. If he can be half as good on the main roster or as entertaining as he was in, in NXT, then I'm happy to see where it goes and see what he's what he's able to do as a character. And we saw him here on the August 15th row from last night as well because uh, he got involved. Uh, uh, we had the excellent um, US title match with Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles. Um, and he ended up uh, he ended up getting involved um Again on this show, but um, it, what, what, it was quite something, wasn't it? He, he jumped over the barrier, and the security grabbed him. But in the process, they kind of knocked the announcers over, didn't they? Yeah, great graves was a bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was scripted. It was this, you know, but it was designed to sort of look real, wasn't it? Because yeah, Graves even even said to Jimmy Smith uh, on commentary because Jimmy Smith was talking about it and you know saying, "Oh, that's Dexter Loomis," and then Graves was kind of telling him off saying. We're not going to talk about that. It's a US title match happening right now. Yeah. Which again is the opposite of what would have happened before. So don't give this guy any publicity. So uh, you know, maybe AEW will do the same thing with MJF if he ever returns, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't return last week, did he? No, no, he's oh, no. Okay. It's the I'm million not... dollar question still on everyone's mind when he's gonna return. Okay. But... All right, yeah. I just thought better ask. <laughs> <laughs> just to be sure. But no, we 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 had Dexter Lumis again making his presence known on Raw. Um, you know, me and I mean, this is two times that AJ Styles has been involved. So is he is he coming after AJ Styles? What's his deal? Um, yeah, we we didn't know. Was he trying to get at the Miz, who was at ringside, or maybe Champa, mm-hmm. who was at ringside as well during the Lashley versus uh, Styles US title match? So uh, there's a mystery. But I mean, this is you know, people. You're right. People for years like oh, long for the Attitude Era when we would have cliffhangers, when we'd want to tune in next week to see the next chapter of the story unfold. And here we are. We have the we have an ongoing story that is developing week to week and we don't know where it's going. So it's like, as if it's as if people want immediate gratification, Kenny. They can't yeah. wait to see how the story plays out. And that's, as we know, the best wrestling develops slowly you know that's how the stories are supposed to be told mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't just happen immediately it needs to happen over a period of many weeks or, or months and the really good stories last even as long as a year i mean look at savage and hogan 88 through to 89 it was like a one-year story wasn't it <laughs> that led to wrestlemania the main event wrestlemania 5 so yeah i mean you know i was always a fan of dexter loomis well, actually, that's not true. I wasn't a fan of him at all. <laughs> I just remembered that I actually wasn't. Um, and I, but I did, Kenny. Actually, I remember in print pointing out that I was dead wrong and that the guy actually was a lot of fun. And I never thought he was much of a wrestler because he's all right. I think he's capable. He, he, you know, he doesn't really do anything that spectacular, but he can, you know, he's competent in the ring and he can do everything that's asked of, of him but he's not the sort of guy that's going to give you a match that you're going to be talking about six months from now. 
But Loomis's appeal, as you have pointed out, and as you said in that previous discussion with Sandra, is his work as a character. And he showed in uh, the storyline relationship and marriage with Indy Hartwell. I mean, that was so much fun, wasn't it? I mean, that was that made Indy Hartwell's been floundering ever since he left. So, I mean, she just, you know, as soon as Dexter and Candice LeRae left, Indy Hartwell's career fell off a cliff. But he was, yeah, he was he was great as a character in NXT. And it was it was a shame that he never got a fair shake of the stick under Vince. But you know what? I'm glad that he didn't. Because had Vince been convinced or persuaded to bring him up, I don't think Vince would have ever really understood the character. And I think he would have totally wasted his potential. Obviously, Paul Levesque understands who this character is, the benefits um, he brings to the table, what he has done and what he can do. So it's actually worked out perfectly for Dexter Loomis that he's been brought up now and he's receiving this second chance. Same applies, of course, to Dakota Kai. And, um, you know, obviously Hit Road returned as well, didn't they, on Friday on SmackDown? Yeah. Well, it, it also doesn't, I, I see people go, you know, Hit Row, they're not going to be the same without Swerve. And it's like, but I mean, this isn't about, you know, hit, not all these people are being brought in to be main event stars or big no. names or whatever. And I mean, if you look at, um, if you look at the, I know Sean Ross Sapp had tweeted this and I, I ended up retweeting it because I thought it was interesting. Um, he listed all the tag teams that are on SmackDown now. And I'm going to read it out for you because I mean I wouldn't have thought there was this many, um, but when when it was when I saw it, so SmackDown now basically has you know the the brawling brutes, Imperium, Hit Row, Los Lotharios, Maximum Male Models, New Day, Jinder and Shanky, the Viking Raiders, and the Usos. So all of a sudden you've got nine tag teams. Wow. On the brand, which then means that if you're doing. You know, if tag team champions are going to have to have all these different matches, you've got teams to. I'm, I'm not saying gender and Shanky are going to be the tag champs, but you need to be able to beat people as well. So, I think that that's part of what this whole thing that you know Triple H is doing, and he should, he should be doing. It. He should be bringing in, you know, people to have on the roster who, you know, see how they go. They might just be a prelim team. They might be um, they might get over. You never know. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, another common complaint dating back months, if not years is that the product is stale and we've seen the same characters over and over and the matches repeatedly. And by bringing in new acts, it freshens up existing acts because they have new people to work with. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty simple, isn't it, Kenny? It's, it's not, it's not rocket science, is it really? It's not rocket science. Um, but yeah, so listen, that's some of the stuff that was going on in Raw. We are going to kind of leave it there for now. Um, and we'll be back on Thursday to do Power Slam, which will be up on Patreon, and it'll be on the main feed on Friday. Uh, I would I would recommend anybody who is listening to check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes, where there are three different episodes of us taking listener questions for our fifth anniversary. Um, and we still have some more fifth anniversary stuff planned in the works. Um, but you know, we're, the fifth anniversary was amazing. We're a bit late anyway, it doesn't really matter. We'll still get it done. Uh, but Finn, I hope that you uh, enjoy the next couple of days and are able to rest and rejuvenate your vocal cords. Well, thank you. And, um, you know, thank you everyone for listening. I realise that it's not exactly been F. Martin at the peak of his powers today. <laughs> but hopefully by Thursday, um, my voice will have returned to normal and people we'll be able to understand what I'm banging on about. <laughs> Very great. Well, listen, today it was a bit sultry, Finn. It was like, you know, the mood lighting had come in and you were, you were get, taking us on a, on a journey 
with yeah. the, the low voice. So well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's always weird. You know, it's like when you take a week off, you come back and you've still got that on holiday brain. You think, oh no, I'm going to be able to get through this podcast. And <laughs> there's always loads of wrestling you haven't seen, so you, you know, you, there's not you can't wing it on a podcast. That's one thing I've learned. You can, yeah. well, you kind of can a little bit, but not really. <laughs> not <laughs> important matters anyway. So yeah. uh, you you're just trying to get through it and catch up on things and. I will be back up to date by Thursday. But finally, Kenny, can I just bring up yes. the B&M store's tweets? Did you see them? <laughs> yes. Do, do, do tell the listeners. Oh, this is just the greatest thing ever. I mean, B&M, someone at B&M stores is obviously a huge fan of Scott Steiner. And earlier today, um, they put out three tweets. And I'll just read the first. Have you got them in front of you, Kenny? Because I'll read the top one and you can maybe read the bottom two. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. On you go. All right. Yeah. Because my voice will probably pack up before I <laughs> before I get to the end of all three of them. Anyway, this is the top tweet. Normally, if you go to a shop, you've got a 50-50 chance of leaving with what you went in for. But we're not normal, so you've got a twenty-five percent at best, twenty five percent at best of leaving with just that. And then you add candles to the mix, your chance chances of leaving drastically go down. See, if you go three shops, you've got a 33 and a third percent chance of leaving. But us, you've got a 66 and two third chance of leaving because other shops know they can't beat us and they're not even going to try. So you take your 33 and a third chance minus our 25 percent chance if we was to go one on one and you've got an eight and one third chance of leaving. But then you take our 75 percent chance of leaving if we was to go one on one and then add the 66 and two thirds. You've got a 141 and two thirds chance of leaving with more than you went in for. The numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for you at B&M face. I mean, give that guy or gal a raise. Give that person a raise. Whoever I can. mean, if you I mean, if you I mean, happily. Uh, some people on the BNM Twitter or the people commenting have explained what they're going <laughs> on about and included, you know, the relevant Scott Steiner videos. Yeah. So, um, you know, they've explained it. But I mean, that, was, that is that is wit. Now, that's got some wit attached to it. Well done to BNM. Yeah, so go and follow them at BM stores on uh, Twitter. That deserves a follow. Uh, but listen, yeah, as Fed says, we'll be back on Thursday. We hope that you are enjoying your week, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 